and welcome to the Parley at the Hindu. I'm Sohasini Heather. At the Parley, each week we try to get you a 360 degree look at the most current issues. This week we are looking at the situation at the line of actual control between India and China in the wake of a paper prepared for a security conference in Delhi that said that India has lost patrolling rights at 26 of 65 posts along the line of actual control and detailing many other challenges that Indian forces face over there. Uh, there's been a political reaction and there has been a demand from uh, the opposition certainly that the government must come out clearer on what exactly is happening at the LAC with me to discuss this are two very special guests general satish dua the former core commander of the kashmir based chinar corps he retired as chief of integrated defense staff and manoj joshi is a distinguished fellow at the observer research foundation he's also the author of a, a new book called understanding the india china border the enduring threat of war in the high himalayas who really looks very closely as well at all that has happened since 2020 at the lac so to start with i would like to ask both of you gentlemen and thank you so much for joining us at the parley how should one see the latest revelations about the lac situation as has been put together in a research paper this is by a senior police official actually based in ladakh general dua could i start with you Yeah, thank you, uh, Swasni, for having me on the on the show on the program. Uh, first of all, uh, your question about this police report, a senior police official, you said the report has been filed, uh, or I mean, was presented by the superintendent of police of Leh. Now that is not a very it's, it's a major level officer. Uh, with due respects, I don't mean to belittle that part, but I mean it's uh, the superintendent of police. in town in lay district would have very little uh, experience uh, in fact uh, very little exposure let alone experience on the border patrols and on the patrol points etc so i personally am at loss to understand uh, as to why this report brings out in such great detail issues about patrolling if itbp had brought out that uh, it would absolutely be absolutely fine because uh, ITBP also does patrolling as does the army on some parts. Uh, we will discuss these details. Uh, I'm sure by and by. So this is my uh, first um, intervention on those questions, as you asked. Um, Mr. Joshi, do you want to uh, respond to that as well as the fact that there is this report out? And yes, it isn't. It is the SP of uh, Lay who's authored the report, uh, but it seems to have very very fine details. of what seems to be happening there how do you see it well you know i see it in the context of the fact that the government also has not been telling us very much so this is the sp has brought out this and i have no doubt in my mind that since this was prepared for a conference of dgps which is uh, sponsored by the intelligence bureau that she would have consulted she would have consulted with other people with including the itbp to write this and she has given very specific numbers you know uh, the, the the patrolling points and i see error out there i see no error you know for example if you look at from in in the depsang bulge uh, pp 10 11 11a 12 13 chief them but the government has not said a word about this the government has not said a word about this 
And so I definitely uh, say that her report is credible and that the situation in the Ladakh uh, along the LAC uh, appears to have been more serious than was disclosed to us by the government in the past. I Meaning I'm going by Rajnath Singh's September um, 2020 uh, statement where he didn't mention Depsang at all. So, so I'm just saying that um, the, the one big problem that we are suffering from is the lack of information from the government. And so this report, which comes out at this juncture, it's an official report in that sense. Uh, and uh, it, uh, to me, it's a very credible report. Right. And in fact, it is about the maps and what is happening on the ground that is very important. But I do want to, at this point, just get a broader sense from both of you uh, about how you judge what the government's responses have been to clear Chinese actions of aggression, whether it was amassing troops along the uh, line of actual control, whether it has been the constant incursions we have seen. And also, as I said, these reports seem to be growing that China is actually stopping Indian patrols into these regions and is on territory uh, that India has claimed. Uh, just to start with, for a broader picture, uh, uh, Mr. Joshi, would you like to go first on how do you judge how the government's responses have been, not the military's responses so much, because the questions that are being asked by the opposition are really about the government. Well, I would say, you know, I have also spoken to military sources and they are much more forthcoming in some ways. Uh, as far as the government is concerned, it has been fudging the issue right from the outset, meaning right from the point when the prime minister said no one had entered and no post is lost. The fact of the matter, the entire Depsang bulge uh, entire Depsang bulge, which is something like 900 square kilometers, had been blockaded by the Chinese. And it remains blockaded even today. So this is this is a uh, serious matter. And I think the government should have been forthcoming. There is also a blockade in the Charding Nala area. And according to Nitya, PD Nitya, uh, there seem to be uh, other little um, areas where the Chinese have uh, um, uh, have preempted us and occupied our patrolling points. And of course, some of those points which she says are denied to us are now denied by mutual agreement because we've had uh, buffer zones created in certain areas. So those are denied, those are one aspect of that, but there are a whole lot of others which the Chinese seem to have denied to, preempted us and denied to us. All right. Uh, General Dua, of course, these buffer zones are part of what has been the government's uh, response because they came out through the talks um, at both the W uh, at the at the uh, on the ground and at the WMCC. How do you judge the government's responses really to the Chinese actions as a military person? Look, the uh, like you very rightly distinguish between the government response and the military response. I would agree to the part that Manoj also said, the information provided by the official sources, we could have done better on that fact. I, I do realize the value that we must place on confidentiality of operational matters. We need not go into all the details, but uh, uh, some more information could have been provided that I do concede. Uh, coming to these uh, patrol points and buffer zones that have been created, now, there are a certain number of flashpoints that have come up over the last three years, since May 2020, uh, two and a half years. Now, Galwan was one of them. The Gongso North and South Banks were one of them. 
and there are there are two of these places which turned ugly and we not go into that right now but over these 17 military uh, high level military talks and the wmcc efforts uh, alongside we have managed to come on to a certain agreement about certain places now the buffer zones have been created with mutual uh, agreement uh, and the purpose of these buffer zones is to avoid any escalation to avoid confrontation and and escalation so to that extent these uh, arrangements are working well under the circumstances why why did the chinese come in why did they start doing this is a different question altogether but we today at this moment i'm talking about how it is being managed without escalating i'll just end by saying that apart from the galwan incident and the incident at uh, at the kalash ranges over approximately half a century our uh, responses are i beg your pardon our mechanisms of military level talks and the mea level talks have helped to make sure that the situation does not escalate whenever the patrols come face to face does not escalate beyond a point and that is saying a lot considering that both are nuclear countries that, that that's certainly an interesting point you make that you know in terms of the actual action we have seen on the ground except for um, uh, the galwan uh, incident an uh, unfortunate incident and then uh, some of the skirmishes up there at, at the pangong uh, so south heights you haven't seen you know the uh, you've seen a very responsible if you like uh attitude on the ground and and through the mechanisms uh even so questions are asked then about the government's communication strategy as mr joshi pointed out there was prime minister modi's statement in 2020 that no one has entered indian territory nobody's uh, holding indian posts but there have been very few official statements about the situation since then from 2020 to 2023 now do you think the government needs to uh, review its communication strategy well i i personally feel that if there is lack of information in today's era somebody will fill up that space in the info information war era uh, we will have someone filling in the space who will fill in the space either it will be the other side or it will be those disruptors who are waiting on the sidelines the armchair strategists or people who have less knowledge or no knowledge at all so i would agree with the fact that we should have we should put out little more information coming from official sources without disclosing any operational nature of the details okay i'll go a little further and ask do you think general dua that the government uh, should think about a white paper given that uh, i i know it has historical connotations of course but do you think a, a white paper or some kind of a parliamentary uh, uh, document is required Uh, you'll have to allow me two minutes uh, to to say something on that first. Look, we don't have a national security strategy or national defense strategy, any apex level guidance document in our country. Compared to LOC, that is India Pakistan LOC, the LAC uh, has multiple agencies and forces working uh, without a unity of command. Let me just uh, explain myself. The border border is the responsibility border guarding is the responsibility of itbp which is under mha uh, they patrol uh, the borders that is lac 
Well, over the last few years, Army has also started patrolling. Army is under the uh, Ministry of Defense. There is special frontier force. There are special frontier force units deployed on the LAC, which are under the CAPSEC. The WMCC, the Working Mechanism Consultation and Coordination we spoke of, is driven by the MEA. It's under the MEA. Uh, the high-level uh, military dialogue that take place does have an MEA rep on it uh, as of last two, three years, which is a very good sign. Then there is a China study group, which is led by the by the MEA, which, which uh, takes some tactical level uh, decisions like patrol points, etc. So, uh, with all this, I am just reminded of the group of ministers. Uh, the group of ministers have, I think, uh, stated in their report that uh, unresolved borders will be uh, defended and man manned and defended by the army. Contrast to the LOC with Pakistan, we have BSF deployed on the LOC, which is under operational control of the Indian Army, and that system is working fine for decades. So, uh, you call it a policy directive, you call it a white paper, you call it uh, government directions. We need, we need to have better clarity on the operational as well as administrative aspects of the LAC. Right. Okay. A very, very uh, comprehensive answer on what kind of uh, a response um, the government needs to put together. Mr. Joshi, do you have uh, a take on whether the government needs to A, review its communication strategy and how, and also whether it should now be thinking about a white paper on uh, China's actions, on what's happened there? Well, more than a white paper, uh, I would think that the government needs to re-strategize its border policy, meaning after the Galwan incident, uh, you know that the government has now authorized the uh, soldiers there to use their guns to defend themselves. Now we know that is what operating in Ladakh, but we don't know what are the instructions in the East, because in the East, as you know, in the December 9th Yangtze incident, um, again, the Chinese tried to overwhelm our force by physical force, not with guns. So I think we need to re-strategize the way we handle the LAC. Maybe, for example, we need to create an entire, the entire LAC should be created into uh, a buffer zone. Uh, you can create a five kilometer buffer zone on either side of the LAC um, right across. And so we and the Chinese don't meet physically. So what I'm saying is that more than white paper and anything else, I think you need re-strategizing because I think I can understand white paper at this stage uh, would be sensitive. I mean, the government would have to reveal a lot of things that it doesn't want to reveal. And I think sometimes um, the, the, the government has to be given some latitude uh, to formulate policy uh, in a confidential manner uh, when it comes to national security. All right. Um, and now you said something about uh, having a buffer zone where soldiers move even further back. But of course, the biggest problem over here is that unlike the LOC, the LAC just is not... Uh, uh, is not a, a fixed line as far as an understanding on where it is. Uh, the Indian side has its own understanding of where the LAC is. The Chinese side uh, perhaps has its own understanding. But there isn't a common understanding where you could actually, uh, for example, like at the LOC, put down a, a fence. So I, I do want to ask you if at least if not this kind of uh, white paper, the government should be thinking about publishing clear maps, giving its positions and claim lines, or is that dangerous? Well, yeah, I think that could be done. But, you know, I'll tell you one thing. 
under the 1993 border peace and tranquility agreement and under subsequent agreements uh, 1996 and 2005 agreements the chinese have agreed with us that wherever there are points of differences on the lac they should be clarified and this process took place till about 2002 and then the chinese abandoned it the reason is that the chinese used the imprecise lac as a means of keeping us off balance they are using it for other purposes they are using it to keep us uh, off balance and a precise lac would be a problem for them so i think this is the 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 root of the problem is the chinese intentions uh, with regard to the lac because as far as agreements are concerned you know in two, uh, 2015 uh, when prime minister modi went to uh, china he raised this issue of defining a precise lac several times and the chinese completely turned him down flatly and subsequently a week later a chinese official some junior chinese official was trotted out and he told the indian media media that no 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 uh, there will be a problem if we define the lac precisely so then someone asked him what will be the problem he said oh no that is beyond my remit so you know the chinese are actually playing games with us uh, when it comes to uh, the precision def- uh, precise definition uh, of the lac so yes your idea that we should simply go ahead and publish our uh, map with detail our uh, notion of the lac and tell the chinese this is it and that's all general dua which as somebody who has uh, a really a precision view from the ground and the comparison between the loc and the lac if you like uh, what do you think of the idea of coming clear and and saying well it's not in china's interest to clarify uh, its idea of the lac but since we are very clear where the lac lies we should perhaps put out a map no oh, it's a very good idea we should have a precise lac but i agree with the manoj in toto of what he put out about the problem with defining the lac on the map we have been trying the chinese have in couple of meetings agreed that we will exchange maps of the 22 uh, flashpoints there are 22 uh, identified flashpoints between us and the chinese and they but uh, like manoj brought out they balk on actually exchanging maps in once in the central sector only they have given some maps but beyond that they are not uh, amenable to sort of exchanging maps and trying to draw or uh, uh, you know have a concise perception of uh, of lac or come some via media and manoj has brought out very clearly i will not repeat that as to why they want to keep us on a back foot for different reasons to your question that we should go ahead and print our own lac well we have all our military maps carry our version of the lac in fact we have different claim lines so we we know what is the chinese uh, perception of lac and what is our perception of lac very clearly on the map and between the two of us it has been agreed that we are allowed to patrol up to our perception which by them by this uh, by their perception is inside their territory and they are allowed to patrol up to their perception of the lac which by our perception is inside our territory so this this uh, can i just call it both pants land in between we have decided that we will not this term both man land is just mine to explain what i'm trying to say uh, in in this area both pat- patrols can operate but you cannot have any construction any post any bunker etc so uh, and it is here some wherever patrols come face to face that confrontations take place sometimes they get violent uh, without even firing shots but they do get violent and 
galwan was one such petrol fire anyway so the point is if we we have a perception of lac but uh, it is pointless unless we both agree on the perceptions of lac or on a, or come to a via media now while we are not able to do that uh, but i still feel that uh, we must continue this process of uh, dialogue whether it is wmcc or the military level meetings because in this we are able to sort out a lot of tactical uh, uh, problems at the ground level for instance if a patrol has gone and there are patrol clashes taken place somewhere where it has been either shouting at each other or showing banner we just show banners because we don't understand each other's language we tell them go back you are in our territory etc and they do the reverse when a patrol meeting has taken place the next meeting the ne- next uh, military level meeting that takes place we discuss that issue we we divide a via media you see so so there is always a recourse to a dialogue rather than campus uh, getting frayed and and we sorting to those medieval weapons or god forbid uh, firing shots so i think this consultative process however slow it may be uh, should continue in fact if anything we must add vigor to it and i may i'd like to end uh, what i what i'm saying now my intervention by saying i think wherever possible we could uh, hope to raise the level like uh, manoj mentioned that when prime minister modi went in 2015 some beginning was made eventually they developed cold feet or it didn't it fizzled out similarly occasions are coming up in this in this year where Uh, there will be summit level meetings even in, in whether it's g70 or sco so you know there could be opportunities and we must keep exploring those opportunities rather than uh, always think of confrontation all right very interesting and uh, of course the the difference between the maps that we have put out earlier and now is that we have agreed to something called buffer zone so i just wanted to make that point uh, but mr joshi uh, general dua has very clearly said that there is uh, a purpose to the kind of talks that are continuing uh, do you think that this is the wisest course at this moment because uh, from the public perception or at least from what we as journalists see uh, despite the talks going on you had a situation like the yangtze where you have a chinese uh, actively trying to come and overrun an indian post this is something something the defense minister actually said in parliament uh, you have external affairs minister ajay shankar saying that the chinese are attempting to change the status quo this is an ongoing thing despite the fact that there have been these talks so i wanted to get your response on that also on the response of whether summit level meetings help of course prime minister modi met with president xi jinping 18 times between 2014 and 2020 then of course because of the standoff as well as covid there haven't been these opportunities uh, this year we see two opportunities at the sco and the g20 where president xi jinping will be invited to delhi uh, so your uh, take on both these levels of conversation well you see the thing is that what we lost in 2020 was trust we had built up trust since 1993 all the way down uh, to 2020 just before tw- uh, the the uh, 2020 events you know that there was uh, the two summits the wuhan summit and the chennai summit everything was going well so now the point is that we have to tell the chinese the issue uh, as i have use the analogy in my book saying can you put the toothpaste back into the tube and 
this is not an easy exercise. So what I'm saying, what the general uh, Dua has said about the various uh, processes and procedures, they're excellent. You know, despite all the uh, the 2020 events, India, Indian and Chinese officials communicated with us 1,500 times, military officials, through various hotlines and meetings and things like that, 1,500 times. So there is a process. India and China uh, should uh, never go, for, go in for a war. War would be completely catastrophic for the two nuclear armed powers. So, so yes, the good parts of it, we need to retain. But we need to tell our Chinese friends that your policy of trying to use this unclear LAC as a means of trying to keep us off balance is not acceptable to us. And if you are going to push this way, we are also going to devise an alternate strategy to deal with you. So I think we need to do some blunt talking with our Chinese friends. And I think you're right. This can best be done uh, in an uh, apex level meeting, um, at a summit level meeting, where the, the, the prime minister, instead of talking about these, uh, and that's what he did in 2014 when she was here, in 2015 when he went to China, he, you, he brought up this old thing about uh, clarifying the LAC. Now I think he needs to tell Xi Jinping that, look, after 2020, we guys don't trust you. The trust has collapsed. And you have to do something about it. And let us both together now try to work out uh, a new, some new processes and procedures to maintain peace and tranquility on the border. All right. So I do have one uh, final question for both of you. And uh, uh, Mr. Joshi, if you could answer this first. Uh, are there, if we look at the, uh, if we look at uh, the historical parallels we have seen, whether it's been 1962, whether it was the Sundarong Chu standoff that stayed on for six, seven years, uh, the standoff in Depsang Plains in 2013, are there lessons learned, or are there is there something that the government today should be looking at in terms of how much to disclose to Parliament to the public on the LAC standoff? Well, you know, Swasti, I'm a journalist. For me, I think more disclosure is better than less disclosure. You know, it's a very simple thing because I think when you disclose more, uh, then you wouldn't have had the shock with this Nitya's revelations. Because if you had told us that, yes, there was also a problem in the, in the Dipsang bulge, most Indians don't know that the huge area there, 900 square kilometers, is something which is the largest area in all the this thing is being denied to us. So I definitely think I would always err on the side of more information than less. All right. Um, and General Dua, do you think that there are historical parallels that the government should look at? Is there some lessons that they should have learned from the past? Uh, look, like you yourself brought out, Sundarong Chu, it took us seven or eight years to sort that out. It has been two and a half years since Galwan happened. And, uh, and 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 the other flashpoints took place in uh, 2020. Uh, well, patience is the name of the game. To my mind, we have to be patient and continue to engage and talk. I mean, this is the lesson that we must take from Sundarong Chu. I don't uh, disagree with Manoj when he says that more information should be put out because in this, it, this is not mid-80s. So in this information age era, I think more information is required. How much more and how concise, we will have to leave that to the government and the military. Uh, but yes, we could put out information from, from our side rather than allow speculation. I'd like to make one, one point on this 
Thank you, Suhashni. You know, a lot of people like this SP and others using satellite imagery have given us more information on what happened in Yangtze than anyone else. All the satellite imagery, etc., is already coming, but our government has not made it available to us. Right. And, and that's an important point that whatever we might say publicly, there's already a truth out there. And since I just have a few minutes left uh, with both of you, I do want to ask, are we in 2023 any closer to knowing what were China's motivations for its actions, amassing the troops at the LAC, attempted incursions? Many have pointed out it's part of China's larger hegemonistic practices, the kind of aggression we've seen perhaps in the South China Sea. Some have pointed to the Article 370 and reorganization of Jammu Kashmir as a move. Uh, what is your best bet? Um, uh, General Dua, could I start with you? Firstly, I think the Chinese have always had this ethos of uh, salami slicing, of uh, trying to keep us on, on the back foot. And uh, whether it is to do uh, with uh, Article 370 or let's say their, their uh, unease or unhappiness with India joining Quad and military-to-military mil military level cooperation with all the members of Quad and various other arrangements that we are getting into with China sees as uh, trying to strangulate or, or to contain China somewhere. Uh, so those could be various factors to my mind why China is, is keen on not resolving this at an uh, LAC issue at an early date so that it can continue to use this as uh, as a leverage to keep us on the back foot. And I'll end by saying the other fact that rankles perhaps, uh, rankles China, perhaps is also the fact that China has well-developed communications right up to the LAC. Whereas our, uh, for very lopsided policies, which I would not like to go into now, uh, we did not develop our infrastructure right on the borders, on the LAC. And over the past uh, few years, we have started, very actively started developing the infrastructure, the bridges, the culverts, the road structures, the airfields and everything on the LAC, which is which is greatly assisted, uh, assists our mobilization timings. So even that is something that China is not, not very happy with. So perhaps it's a combination of all these reasons that China does what it does. All right, uh, Mr. Joshi, last word to you. Any clarity on China's motivations? Well, I have, I have stated it right uh, up front, basically to keep us off balance. The Chinese have an hierarchical view of society. They look at us as a second level power. And the second level power has to be kept at the second level. And they feel that the US is encouraging us to do all sorts of things. And that is definitely part of the motive for the action uh, that they took in 2020. And that is a factor which is not going to go away. So the, the, the point is, this is a continuing contest. And uh, I'd also like to point out that since then, the buildup in the line of actual control on both sides has intensified. And therefore, we need to worry about this buildup. The Chinese have hugely consolidated themselves in the Depsang uh, region, built permanent facilities, helipads, etc. They're doing it all across. And so we need to worry about this and we need to do something about it. All right. On that note, I'd like to uh, thank you both for joining us on the Parley this week. Uh, Lieutenant General Satish Dua in Delhi, Manoj Joshi joining us there from London. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Tawasin. Awesome.